Gabby, welcome to the Happier Life Project, brought to you by free mental health and wellness app, My Possible Self, in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. Today we are exploring finding friendship and your people, which isn't always easy, especially the more we grow up. We see it on TV, in movies, in sitcoms, in songs, in books, the kind of friendships of fairy tales. Chandler and Joey, Monica and Rachel, Harry, Ron and Hermione, Howard and Raj, Sheldon and Leonard, Bert and Ernie, the Spice Girls, sort of. You get the idea. But in reality, not everybody is lucky enough to have a BFF or a circle of close friends, especially as we get older. Now, data suggests that many adults report having few friends or none at all. Among millennial-aged adults, 27% report that they have no close friends. And in total, from a report recently released in the UK, 45% of adults feel occasionally, sometimes or often, lonely in England. That equates to 25 million people. People who don't have friends might be referred to as shy, unsociable or loners. But in reality, there might be many reasons why people lack friends. Some may want more friends, while others are satisfied with fewer social connections. According to mind.org.uk, some research suggests that loneliness is associated with an increased risk of certain mental health problems, including depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, sleep problems, and increased stress. So thank goodness for people like today's guest, Lane Moore, an award-winning comedian, writer, actor, and musician for highlighting and encouraging the conversation around friendship and loneliness. Lane's first book is the highly praised How to Be Alone, if you want to, and even if you don't. And if you're listening to this episode on the day of its release, today she has dropped her second book, You Will Find Your People, How to Make Meaningful Friendships as an Adult. A bit more on Lane. She has a hugely popular comedy show called Tinder Live, which the New York Times called Ingenious. She was the former sex and relationships editor at Cosmopolitan, where she received a GLAAD award for her groundbreaking work expanding the magazine's queer coverage. Her rock band is called It Was Romance and has been praised everywhere from Pitchfork to Vogue. And her writing has appeared in publications ranging from The New Yorker to The Onion. You Will Find Your People, How to Make Meaningful Friendships as an Adult is part memoir, part self-help book. And so I can think of no better guest to help us take a compassionate look at loneliness and talk about how to find meaningful, true friendships as we grow up than this cool New Yorker. So, ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Lane Moore, welcome to the Happier Life Project. Super excited, actually, to explore this topic of a friendship with you and also, I guess, suppose the yin with the yang, loneliness. You've got a new book out. You will find your people, how to make meaningful friendships as an adult. And I sat with that for a while and I thought about adults in my life and me being an adult myself and also like my niece and what she's going through at school and she hasn't found her people and yeah it just kind of opened up all these questions to me from the get-go in terms of how it can be like joyful when you do have those people but it can be really really lonesome when you don't yes so I guess was this the kind of catalyst for you in terms of writing the book yeah. So, you know, my first book was called How to Be Alone If You Want to and Even If You Don't. And it explored 
it was about really the beginning of my process of being very alone throughout most of my life. You know, we're all told that you're supposed to get a perfect family. You're supposed to get the perfect friends, supposed to get the perfect partner. And I just had not experienced Mm -hmm. that. I didn't have that really solid foundation and it made all my other relationships harder. So the first book was really me exploring, you know, not having that community and how hard it was, but also okay, if I don't have this, what meaningful thing can I find here? What ways can I show up for myself in the ways that I wish other people could, but they're not? What ways can I establish self-love and enjoy my alone time, enjoy spending time with myself? You know, we when we talk about loneliness, we talk about it like it's this death sentence. And I really wanted to write a book about all the feelings that loneliness brings up and the ways that we view people who are alone and, you know, the, the shame that we attach mm-hmm. to that. And even though it's, it's so often not our fault at all. And then, you know, once I had done that work, then I started to realize, oh, I feel like I'm in a much better place. I've established this relationship with myself a lot more. And I've examined a lot of my patterns from my childhood and the way that my brain works. And now I want to find my people. I want to have really great friend group. I want to have community. I'm ready to have this. I'm not as scared of it. I want to have it. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that's its own whole thing. How the hell do I do that Mm -hmm. when I have all these, you know, friends from my past who hurt me or disappointed me or weren't a good fit? The pain of childhood friendship breakups, teenage friendship breakups, all of these things that, you know, we're told that after college, we're supposed to already have our people. And if you haven't done it, you've really screwed up. And so I was carrying all of this, uh, just like confusion and shame and grief about it. And then I just thought, you know, with my first book, when I wrote about all these feelings of, of having been alone so much of my life, and I worried with the first book, like, what if nobody else has ever felt like this? Oh my God. And thank goodness for every single person who I've received hundreds and hundreds of letters every week, even years after the book came out of people saying, I've never heard anybody talk about this. That's literally how I felt my whole life. I was feeling that isolation and shame too. Thank you for talking about it. Getting that kind of feedback for something that I had thought was just me my whole life really Mm -hmm. helped me in writing. You will find your people because there's a very real fear of verbalizing that you haven't found your people yet, that you don't necessarily have the perfect friend group yet. You don't necessarily, you're not necessarily getting everything you want out of your friendships. There's a feeling that I get when I talk about that. That's like, oh, we're not supposed to talk about that. You must've done something wrong. Like we make it this Mm -hmm. like personal failing. And because I had had, you know, so many people on social media say like, no, every time you tweet something, every time you write something, so many of us are out there with you feeling this. It gave me the extra, Mm. yeah, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about how hard it is to make friends as an adult. I'm going to talk about how painful friendship breakups are. I'm going to talk about how hard it is to know if you're in a healthy friendship, how to deal with Mm. the feelings of, I feel like this friend isn't a very good friend to me. What do I do? These are not... Mm -hmm shameful things. These are not something that about us is broken. These are very human. And it was scary to take the leap and say, all right, I'll go first. I'll raise my hand and I'll say I've struggled with this. And here are all the things I have learned about how to have better friendships and move away from that shame and that isolation that it's just you that's doing something wrong and take it to a place where you feel empowered and you know what to do and you're excited and and I just think that's so important yeah and I can't help but wonder as well because you know as a byproduct of the pandemic this isolation epidemic has happened right and were you already writing the book when the pandemic was happening or did it kind of spur you on a bit was the idea there like it 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 just in terms of how people especially because so many people now work remotely still because offices have closed down or because you know for whatever reason a lot more remote working a lot people are a lot more lonely and I think even holding their hands up and saying that too and I guess exactly books like this one helps with that yes so 
I don't remember the exact timeline and only because <laughs> 2020 and 2022, my brain I know. can't remember the way time <laughs> processed. Like I really can't. Normally I'd be like, yeah, it was this summer. Like I genuinely, anytime someone's asked, I'm like, genuinely no idea. But I know this. I had had the idea prior to the pandemic. And so the interesting thing is I literally wrote the book on how to be alone before the pandemic happened. And what was interesting was, right, yeah. right. So what was interesting was there were, when the pandemic hit, all these people are interviewing you about it because here I was coming from an extreme of having been alone and isolated most of my life. But so many people in the world were doing it for the very first time. They've never had to be alone with their thoughts. They've never had to be alone from, you know, uh, uh, separate from all these people. So then I became this like expert at something that I had been, you know, whether I wanted to or not doing my whole life. And now so much of the world was experiencing on this global level. So it was really interesting. And I think with You Will Find Your People, something similar happened where all the things that people were starting to like, the majority of people were starting to realize and be like, oh, I don't know if I have very good friends. Oh, I think I'm for the first time really mm -hmm. analyzing this. I had been doing my entire life and without seeing, and, and I think many of us had been struggling with in secret for our entire lives. So I, I don't at all think it was just me who was doing this sooner than then. But I think that again, right. the shame for so many of us comes from before the last few years, no one was talking about feeling this way and being disappointed and realizing, oh, I got to cut some of these people out. This isn't working anymore. It was not appropriate to talk about. So I knew that it had always been something I had wanted to talk about. And then it was so kind of great that there was an opportunity where, again, like when the, when the first book came out, it was like, a lot of people were really ready to have that conversation. And I think a lot of people were like, what? I, I don't know if I'm ready to like, to go there. And then the pandemic hit and people were like, oh, I'm ready to talk about loneliness. I'm ready to talk about how to be alone. So then mm. when I really wanted to talk about how hard it can be to make friends and that are actually friends that are actually meaningful, I think it ended up being a good timing of when this book is now coming out because people collectively mm. are ready to address it. And that's really special. Yeah, for sure. There's, I, I think the pennies dropping a lot more and, and people are like, hmm. And taking that thread as well about analyzing the friendships that we do have. One thing is that if we're kind of hanging around with them because they're there, but we don't really, we're not feeling it, but we can actually end up feeling more lonely. I remember an ex of mine who I saw as Mr. Charismatic with loads of friends and he said he had no friends. They were more acquaintances. And I thought that was very lonely and it really surprised me actually. But he said he just didn't have that, you know, true connection with any of them. And then there's the, the unhealthy side of friendships as well. And when we talk about, we know that we should drink clean water, we should eat nutritious food, but like the energy and the emotions that we absorb from other people in regards to our health, it's like we're putting bad things into our whole psyche. Yeah. But I guess we're not even realizing we're doing it, right? Or, you know, I think sometimes we're not realizing we're doing it. And then I think other times, and I think more often, we realize on some level we're doing it but we don't see a way out and and we've internalized that friendship yeah. isn't perfect. Oh, well, I'm sure like, I think we talk ourselves out of it. I, I know that's true for me where it's like it's a lot of the time, right? Like you feel it, you're like, this feels bad. But if you're anything like me, you're like, I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure I'm just being too picky. I'm sure like we talk ourselves out of it. We, we know it feels wrong. We, we know when it feels wrong. Yeah, you gave a really good example of that in the book when it was in regards to a birthday and um, a, a friend yes, <laughs> planning the ideal birthday, I think, for her rather than you. But um, yeah. yeah, you're right. We do tend to be like, oh, I'm sure it's just me. Oh, I'm sure they didn't mean to do that. Yes. It chips away at you, though, doesn't it? It chips away. Because you can't get rid of the feeling that you have that something is wrong. And, and we just tend to act on it less when it's a friend. We want to believe the best, which is nice, but not when it's at the expense of ourselves you know absolutely 
Uh, I've got a quote from mentalhealth.org in regards to friendship. Friendship is a crucial element in protecting our mental health. Our friends can keep us grounded, help us get things in perspective and help us manage life's problems. Friendships can also play a key role in helping us live with or recover from a mental health problem and overcome the isolation that often comes with it. We end up with the strongest relationships with the people who've supported us through the hard times. And then they go on to say, while loneliness can be as bad for your body as smoking a pack a day. <laughs> yeah. It made me think, well, yes, but then like you have raised in both of your books about this ideology that comes from friendships that you see in popular culture on the TV and stuff. And then if you don't have that, is that chipping away at our mental health too, right? Because it's like, well, where are my people that are like this that are going to pick me up? Well, that's the thing. Like hearing that quote made me so sad, not because of the quote, you know, I mean, whatever, but like it made me so sad because people love to throw out quotes like this and phrases like this as though it is as easy to pick up a meaningful friend as going to the grocery store. And it makes me so angry because when I hear people talk about it and they're like, you know, really good friends are so good for you and they help you through all these things. And it's like, I feel like a pang in my heart because for most of my life, I didn't have anybody who was showing up for me in my toughest times. I had people who were like, didn't want to hear about it or like were saying the wrong thing or, you know, I was always there for them, but they weren't there for me. And look, like, we love to say like, well, you're picking wrong people, pick better people. Like we love to simplify it and make it sound like, well, mm -hmm. why are you doing that? That's stupid. Just go over here. Whereas we don't do that with romantic relationships. If you've had a really hard time finding a romantic partner, we're not like, we'll just find your soulmate already. You must be broken or stupid. Like we don't do that. We're like, oh, well, yeah. you know, it can be hard. I know like we have more empathy, but with friends, we're like, just fix it. Just get them. What's wrong with you? Like, that's how it feels. And I think it's so painful because <laughs> to me, when I hear quotes like that, it really sounds like, you know, what's great having a billion dollars. It's so wonderful having a billion dollars. You just can do so much and you're so free. And it's like, yeah, we know. Are you going to give me a billion dollars? You're going to tell me where to get a billion dollars. I know having a billion dollars <laughs> is great and makes your life better. Like, right. I think we know that. I think we're missing the other piece which is how many of us yeah. struggle with that and how to actually get that, you know? Yeah. And then maybe keep hold of it as and well. Keep because hold people of it. move, people, people change, change, people grow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like it's 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 true, but it's just really half of the story, part of the story, the beginning of the mm. story. Okay, well let's move on to like meeting new people, finding our tribes. Have, how have you actively gone about this then been like you know what I want to I want to widen my friendship circle maybe find somebody that I really connect with yeah in terms of like ways that you've gone out to meet new because it's kind of like putting yourself out there and I can share a story recently because I'm here in Lisbon of doing this, the same thing of like yeah. trying to maybe find some people to hang out with but yeah in terms of what what you've done especially because of you writing this book yeah so since I was a kid, I've been very open to it because I have wanted to find my people my whole life, you know, open sometimes to to a fault, you know, it, it's being an open person. It's like you kind of have to walk this line because you want to be open, but you also don't. It often meant that I was like open to everybody. And it's like, no, no, you want to be open to like the right people, not people who are going to treat you poorly. So it's like that kind of balance. But mm -hmm. I was always just so interested in people and their connections. And I'll often post on Twitter of like where I will have what I call friend meet cutes. And it'll just be, you know, I'm in a coffee shop or somebody I'm meeting somebody when I'm out with my dog and we start talking and we start bonding and we follow each other on social media and it's really cute. And I'm like, I made a friend today. This is nice. And I'll hear, you know, some people will be like, oh, I want this so much. I feel like I can't do this. So there's two parts of this. One, it really is one of the biggest things that I have done for myself, which is I think sometimes we assume that if somebody is really open, they haven't been hurt. And let me tell you, and you know, you'll know from the book, I've been hurt so many times by friends. 
so many times. So many, I have tire marks all over my heart, but I don't care. I think I, I know that if, if we get that friendship, that's so incredible and is able to like take us through our lives and we get that kinship, it's so worth it. So I want to mm. say that for anybody who might be listening and they're like, oh, I want to be open, but I've been hurt a lot. Same. <laughs> like I'm not coming at it from like, I've never mm, yeah. felt pain, but I think that part of it is finding even the tiniest grain of us that can remain a little bit open, can remain a little bit hopeful, can remain a little bit vulnerable because that's it, right? So many of us, when we've been hurt and I've gone through these periods, of course, when we've been hurt by people in our friendships, people in general, we retreat and we're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to reach out. I don't want to get hurt anymore. And look, when you continue to reach out, when you continue to be vulnerable, as much as I would love to say that you're never going to get hurt again, sometimes you're going to get hurt again. But the hope is that you're also going to find new friends again. You're also, I know that that is true. Like it's just the way that it works. And so I think, yeah, I think that's a really big part of it is the remaining open, remaining vulnerable. And sometimes those friends I have friend meet cutes with, like we don't end up hanging out every single day for months, but maybe they come to a show of mine in six months later and we catch up and I'm like, oh yeah, remember how we met? That was so cool. Like, I think one of the biggest things for me has been broadening my definition of friendship. So instead of saying it has to look like this TV show where they all see each other every day or else I failed, I have no friends. I think that's really harmful to many of us. So just realizing like, if I have a friend meet you with somebody in a coffee shop and we talk for three hours and we deeply bond and I like know about their family now, we're like talking about these deep things. This happened to me like a couple of weeks ago that is friendship. That is connection. And look like, yeah, in a perfect world, that would be somebody I see every single day. But I think that it can be so easy when you feel like you haven't had your people yet to sit there and be like, oh, I don't have anybody. Like I've done that. And I'm like, that's not true. And if you look at those moments when you can have these little interactions with people that are really nice, it doesn't have to be like, that counts as friendship. That's as much as you'll get. No, but it can bolster your hope. If you can have this nice little interaction with someone at the grocery store or a yoga class, that is further proof (laughs) that your people are out there. That is further proof that there are people who would love you and who you would love. And just taking that and Mm. continuing to cultivate it. Mm. Have you ever tried the app Bumble, but they've got a not just the date inside, there's something called... Oh, I know. They have BFF. BFF. Yeah. Have you tried that? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. I haven't tried it because, well... (laughs) I do a comedy show called Tinder Live Mm -hmm. where I like um, swipe through my Tinder on a projector screen and I'm like going through the profile. Maybe shouldn't be interacting with the competition. Oh, that's not. No, no, I don't care. It's it's all the same. I've I've done I've done it on all the dating app profiles. They're all you know it's all the same people on all of them. Um, (laughs) That's true. The reason I say that is I'm spending so much time on doing Tinder Live and stuff like that and. I just haven't apps. Apps I don't think are the best fit for me. I need somebody's energy in person. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like I'm on a lot of apps. So for me, that's not. It's not a route you want to go down. Yeah. It's just not anything I've ever wanted to ever really wanted to do. Um, mm. yeah. See, I'm in Lisbon at the moment and I've been here, I suppose, on a bit of a recce as in like, is this somewhere I could move to? And so I've been putting myself out there to meet people. And um, I went to, like, there's some expats groups. And I found that, and when I lived in Italy for a bit, that's how I made some really great friends was through going to these, like, expat meetups. And even people that were Italian were going to them just as a way of, like, making new friends. And um, it was while I was at one of these meetings social events or whatever here somebody said to me have you been on bumble bff and i was like oh no i'm kind of familiar but no and she she was like well this is how i met and she'd brought a friend with her and she was like yeah yeah there's some really cool people on there so i was like all right then i'll I'll give it a go and then i did get end up talking to some really great people and i went for a coffee with a girl from denmark over the weekend and like we chatted for over two hours and i'm not 
I may never see her again even, you know. I might not end up staying here or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's no, like, um, rose-tinted glasses in that respect that we're going to be, like, braiding each other's hair and um, <laughs> hanging out all the time, you know, and sharing yeah. all of our secrets. But uh, she was great company. And um, yeah. it, that was just something that I never thought yeah. to do before until somebody said, well, we'll give it a try kind of thing. And I guess I feel that, like... yeah. We are in a world of technology now, aren't we? And and um, I suppose you've done it a different yeah. way in terms of putting a post out there, right? And saying, hey, <laughs> on Twitter, right? When you're saying that you, that's how you would like meet some friends? I've tweeted about like my friend meet cutes that I've had out in the world. Right. So like I would have a friend meet you with somebody and be like, this really cool thing just happened. And Sorry, I might be getting a bit lost. That's all right. So um, a meet cute in a romantic comedy, and that's fine, because also there might be people listening who are like, what the hell is a friend meet cute? That's fine. I never I never think about that because it's so like embroiled in my mind, but absolutely. So a meet cute in a romantic comedy is where if they bump into each other and they drop their papers and they're like, oh my goodness, who are you? And they're like, and it's a it's a cute way that you meet. Right. So when I post on social media on Twitter. I'll give you uh, the example of the one that happened to me recently that I had posted on Twitter. So I was in a coffee shop and I was working with my dog and somebody came up to like pet my dog as happens very often because she's extremely cute. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of started talking a little bit. And then like she went over to like go sit and do her work. And I kind of she seemed really cool. And so I hope she'd like come back over and talk to me again. So I didn't want to bother her. And she did come back and talk to me again. We ended up talking for three hours talking about everything, talking about this new book. And she was like, I want to come to your book event. This is so cool. Like, I'd love to support, you know, your new book that's out. What is it about? And I looked at her, <laughs> we've been talking for three hours. I looked at her, I was like, um, it's about making friends as an adult. And her knees buckled and she just cackled and was like, oh, and we laughed for like three full minutes of just like, yeah, it's kind of on brand. And this, yeah, is, happening right. to me. And this is how we met. And she was like, that's incredible. So I tweeted about that. Because it was so adorable and it was so funny and it like went super viral. And so like, and I added other little bits that were like really fun from the day of just like, you know, normally we would, people do that with like someone romantic. And I've done that too, where like I've had meet cutes with someone romantic and been like, oh my God, this just happened. But with friends, I love doing it too, because I love to remind people, I love to share these moments in my life when I'm like, oh, people are good. You can connect with somebody anytime anywhere as much as people can be bad people can be good and i love sharing these stories online because it reminds people that can happen it's really wholesome we need more wholesome stuff on social media so yeah that's what i mean so right. it's not that i'm using it for that way but i thought you were like hey guys i'm gonna be in x coffee shop if anybody wants to come and hang out i thought that's what you oh, would no, that would be so overwhelming Never. for me i have a lot <laughs> no it's all right but you know i've also created a lot of spaces where people tend to connect anyway. So it's interesting because that has happened on its own in a way that blows me away. So I tour with Tinder Live and with my band. So I'm, I'm touring a fair amount. The number of times someone has told me, I really want to come to Tinder Live tonight, but I don't have anybody to go with. What do you think I should do? Like, do you think I can come alone? What's the vibe? And every single time I have told people like, come, the people are really great. I guarantee you'll meet someone cool. You'll start talking to somebody because I'm doing a show that's talking about the loneliness of dating apps, the loneliness of connection, yeah. really. So it's a lot of people who are like partnered, single, whatever, coming to this comedy show, they know how hard it can be to connect. They're ready and excited to connect. The number of times somebody has told me that they have come to my show alone and left with like five friends. One time I was on tour and somebody was wearing one of my t-shirts. Like I like hand draw these t-shirts. She was wearing one. Another woman she didn't know was wearing another one of my t-shirts. They bonded, <laughs> they became friends because they both know like, oh, if you like Lane, you probably like wanna make connections and maybe struggle with that. And maybe you'd be cool. And they were, and it worked. And like, so I think that, you know, even though I don't specifically say like, meet me at this coffee shop if you wanna make friends, right. cause I have a lot of social anxiety. That would be yeah. a lot. But <laughs> I don't know how I would facilitate it. But I've created these spaces or these spaces have been created just from my work where like, it's just attracted so many like open hearted, really like cool, kind people that it's been really beautiful when, you know, 
people are like finding their people because they connect with my work. Right. It's really interesting. And, and what about you? Have you found your people or is it a work in progress? So it's so funny because when I started, you will find your people <laughs> when I started writing it. I was like, I'm in the perfect position to do this now. I finally found them. I know all of them. They're all great. They're all great. And then because life loves to do this to us over the course of writing it, things happened where it was like, I had a friend who was being kind of crappy. She was going through something. She's a good person, but she had to like pull away. And I was like, that sucks. Like you can know that someone's going through something, but you still feel like you've lost them, even though, you know, they'll probably come back. But I had a couple things where through writing this and giving people advice on this, there were several moments in the book where I was like, oh, I'm telling people all these red flags to look for. And that describes this one friend that like, I thought I had sorted things out with and it was fine now and it's not fine now. So interestingly, <laughs> even writing the book really helped me resort through my friends and realize, oh, this one could use <laughs> a, a bit of a tune-up yeah. this one could use some you know you see like what kind of needs work and it was actually kind of perfect because if I had it made things in my mind fresh mm. where I, I think they probably would have been anyway but you know I went through a friend breakup while writing this book and so there was a lot of stuff that was able to be written from a place of I don't have to struggle to remember this thing that happened three years ago it's happening right now I can write about it you know exactly the way it feels because I'm going through it but the other side of this that's been really incredible, the number of people who have reached out to me because I've been writing a book about friendship and have said to me, people I've known, acquaintances for years, and who will who have said for the first time ever, hey, I know you have this book coming out and I just felt nervous about this, but I want to tell you, I've always wanted to be closer friends with you. I think oh. you're amazing. And I'm like, what? Like opening this door to say like, it's hard making friends and I don't yeah. know, it's hard taking that leap. The number of people who've been like, how to be alone meant so much to me. Your work means so much to me. I think you're awesome. I've always wanted to be your friend. That's so cool. It has been so moving to me or like, mm. I just couldn't have assumed the, the outpouring of like, actually there's so many people who love you and just like felt nervous to talk yeah. to you about or whatever it is. And, and, I'm like, this proves exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Well, it's because it's so yeah. talked about that, you know, when you put yourself out there romantically, it's such a big thing. But actually, like going back to my Bumble story, meeting this new friend from Denmark, I was a bit nervous when I went to meet her because I thought, I don't know, I've never met, you know, is this, how is this going to turn out kind of thing? And it was in a lot of ways, just yeah. like, you know, you have to, sort of get chatting to somebody and see if you're compatible and it's like it's all the yes. things of putting yourself out there and then that's amplified when you go alone to things like a comedy show or whatever or a expats meet or whatever yeah. it is because you again you're putting yourself out there and nobody wants to be the person stood in the corner on their own right because you just feel self-conscious and oh everybody's looking at me and yeah maybe, maybe a lot of that is the voices in our head right? but at least you have something to talk about there at least when you're when you're going to a comedy show or something like that you immediately have something to talk about there's immediately something that's going on where you can be like oh my gosh did you see that guy's profile that was so crazy or like did you see like what she said to this like at least you have an opening whereas when you're on like a first friend date or whatever you're like so what books do you <laughs> like like you're just like what the hell do I not like yeah but if you're already there to see you know a comedy show or a band or whatever like especially I think you know tinder lives also like very interactive so like the messages are happening in real time it's like it's a whole thing so like I think it gives people that ability to be like oh my god did you see what she said to him and like have you ever gotten this type of profile like there's so many things that you can say and bond mm. over that as opposed to like where you kind of can't at like necessarily at like if you're just going to see a band and you're like what's your favorite album of theirs like <laughs> it just feels awkward <laughs> but if there's something else that's going on or like even moments when I've been in the subway and like someone's like being really nuts over there or there's like you know poop in one of the cars or something like you have those little moments when you I love these moments when like I spy somebody from across the train car and I also see them look annoyed at this person or like disgusted by this train poop and I catch their eye and I look at them like, 
this is so gross. And they kind of chuckle because it's like, we're connected in this moment. We are both on this weird train car with this man who's yelling and a turd in the corner. Like, it's silly, but it's like any of yeah. those moments when you're like, I have something I can connect with you on right now. And we don't even have to say a word. Just those moments of connection are so like. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like what you said, too, I want to add to and and agree with, which is the vulnerability. Nobody wants to be like the first one to say it. Nobody wants to be standing in the corner, but also nobody wants to make the first move. Hmm. And that's, I think I increasingly started doing that again in little ways. It doesn't have to be going up to every person and being like, hi, how's your day? Like, no, that sounds awful to me. Yeah. But little moments when like, I'm on a weird, a chaotic train car and I spy somebody who looks mad and I like meet their eyes and I'm like, oh, that's low risk. Like maybe every now and again, I'll look at somebody to try to do that. And they'll look at me like, why are you looking at me? I don't get it. Like they don't get what I'm doing and they just think I'm staring at them. That's fine. But I'd say 90% of the time you get that moment where they're like, what the hell is this city? And you're like, nah, I don't know. And you look get off the train, just feeling like that was cool. Like to me, those little moments are, are really cool. I may mm. never see that person again or the moments when I'm on a train and I'm like, I tell a woman her outfit looks really cool. And she's like, I love your shoes too. Like all those little moments. Yeah. I think they're so worth it. Don't you think as well, like even from at school, it should be part of the education in terms of like Ugh. the importance of friendships, but also how to navigate them and how to cultivate them and how to be kind to each other. And that foundation setting in terms of like friendship groups yeah. and bit and how to navigate friendships. Do you think it should be included in education? I do. I think there's so many things we don't teach in school that we should teach. But I, I think one of the biggest things that we should teach in school is how to have healthy relationships, how to set boundaries, like mm. the difference it would have made in my life. And that's a lot of what this book is about as well, which is we always say, like, you got to set boundaries. My whole life, I didn't know what the hell that meant, especially if you struggle with people pleasing, if you weren't allowed to have boundaries as a kid, if you weren't yeah. taught how to have boundaries as a kid, just telling somebody that boundaries and then send them on their way. Are you kidding? So I talk so much about boundaries in this book. And so many of the things I write about are things I wish someone had just told me. I wish someone had just given me this book at 11 or 20 or whatever. Like, mm. I don't think we should have to fumble around to find this vital information. Yeah, Knowing how to move through the world and connect in a respectful, kind, reciprocal, meaningful way is something everybody should know. It makes your life unbelievably easier and better and richer. Like, absolutely, I think we should be teaching this mm -hmm. so much sooner. I wish we didn't spend so much time memorizing war dates. I remember being a kid at, at those ages, at 11, and being like, uh, what the hell? I'm never going to use any of this. Right. Like, I loved writing. I loved all my English classes, writing classes. I love psychology, sociology, everything else. I was like, when am I going to need this? Yeah. If we're going to learn these things, fine. But also teach me about interpersonal relationships. Like that was a stuff I really would have wanted because then I think we would also probably have less bullying. We would have mm -hmm. better friendships. We wouldn't internalize what so many of us internalize at that age, which is like, oh yeah, your friends are people you kind of hate. No, <laughs> like that should absolutely not be it. But yeah, so many of us are like, yeah, you kind of we're frenemies. Oh, well. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. The friendship anxiety thing is a real thing, right? Like, And can you imagine like if, like you said, if we had all the right tools, how much less of that anxiety we would actually have by being able to set healthy boundaries? I don't want to keep you on for much longer so I'm going to fast forward to lights because... Yeah. <laughs> yes or no, dogs are a man's best friend. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I didn't even realize how true that was. It's so funny because I think I, I think I talked about this in the book as well, which is like when I had watched TV shows and movies and stuff, like the dog was often just like a plant or something in the house. Like they didn't interact with it much. They were just like, that's Bruno. Bye. And I'm like, like they never interacted with him. He was just kind of like a doofy idiot who came in and out of the house. 
that's fine if that's your experience. But my dog lights is literally my best friend. I dedicated the book to her. She's in my author photo. She opened up such a, a place in my heart where, I mean, this dog was the first person who had showed me consistent love, consistent care, just consistency at all, where in many of my relationships, I didn't know if one day that person was going to wake up and be mad at me for something they wouldn't tell me about, something I didn't even know I did, if one day they were going to wake up and bully me. Like, I had just never really knew which way the wind was going to blow with my friends. And then I got this sweet little rescue dog, and I was constantly worried, like, one day I'd wake up and she, you know, maybe she wouldn't get in my bed because she was pissed about something she didn't want to talk about. And it's, yeah, I'm sure it's funny for people who've had dogs before because they're like, dogs don't do that. But I had been so wounded from so many toxic relationships that I genuinely thought this like little eight pound chihuahua was going to like play these emotional games. And I can't tell you how healing it has been. Even when I mess up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't refill your water bowl. You don't have water right now. Let me, I got it. And being so afraid she's going to like be pissed for five days. <laughs> Dogs don't do that. They're like, it's okay. You're like always on it. I love you. You just forgot. And I reminded you, it's fine. I love you. Let's go to bed. And you're like, like people don't, don't do that, yeah. that often. But it showed me like this can exist in people. Mm. It's possible for things, people to just be good and for it to be easy and for them to give you the benefit of the doubt, like it changed everything. Yeah, a bit like dogs, they do have their own individual personalities as well, don't they? I mean, yeah. <laughs> my friend's little cute pooch, who's just the actual best who she's American, but I'm like, your dog's, if your dog could speak, it would be with a British accent smoking a cigarette. Like she's just got <laughs> that kind of face. She's a little thing. But like she gets pissed <laughs> if she gets left with somebody else for too long. She like makes it, no, you know, it's like um, because she's just got oh, so yeah. much unconditional love for her mom, right? It's not in a any way bad thing, but it's just yeah. like the communication is, you know, if you just, just hang out with the dog for long enough, you learn a lot, don't you, about who they are and their little soul. And yeah, dogs are great. <laughs> dogs are great it's yeah I I can't say I can't say enough and she's like everywhere we go she's just like people comment on it all the time I don't think I can go anywhere without anybody not just talking about how cute she is because she's very cute but she's also just like so openly loving and so openly happy and like all she wants to do is like make friends she's just this like very bright open light yeah it's mm. it's like people are constantly like oh my god can I pet her and she'll be like hello how's it going like <laughs> she's just she'll cheer people up on the airplane like she's comforted people on the airplane when they've had panic attacks and I've looked at them and been like hey would this help and she's gone uh, and sat in their lap to like help them until they were like she's an angel she's oh, she's a, a tremendous soul she sounds awesome Okay, just a couple more questions. And this is, I think, something sure. that you wrote in the in book one. Um, so I want to know if you still identify as a lifetime loner. Uh, <laughs> um, no. So you know what's funny is there is a chapter in this book that felt so important for me to put in that is about this very thing. Again, it was something I'd never heard anybody articulate, which is... Once you find your people, if you have identified as like, ah, I'm kind of a loner, I've made this my identity to kind of cope with maybe the pain of it. Like, it's cool. I'm a loner. It's fine. Once you start to find your people and you start to realize you have friends on some level, it can be so hard to let go of that. Not because you necessarily want it. You've spent so much of your life being like, oh, maybe I just don't get really good friends. Maybe that's just not my path. And it's fine because I'm a loner. It's cool. Like, We've had to do all these things to like cope with this like loneliness and this frustration. So it's interesting, like even as I wrote about the friends that I have now, I realized when I was writing about it, there was like a fear that came up that wanted to be like, I mean, at least I think they're my friends. I don't know, like still has that kind of like afraid to say it, afraid it'll be taken away, afraid to say it, afraid you're wrong again about these people. And it's going to be another painful thing. So I think I'm at an in-between space right now where I'm like so touched by how many people now finally are like 
want to show up for me, want to support me, genuinely love me, genuinely care about me. And then it's a matter of like finding a way to let it in and mm-hmm. finding a way to feel safe in it, finding a way to form a new identity as somebody who has their people, because it's tough if for your whole mm-hmm. life you struggled with that and all of a sudden you don't. We want to think that we're all of a sudden going to be like, I don't struggle with it anymore. Yay. But I don't think it's that simple. It's 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 very disorienting. Like sometimes even really good change can be stressful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll hold my hands up in you. Sometimes yeah. I being single too, being on my, on my own and also being, I guess, in a former life, some kind of gypsy. I just, I feel at home when I'm traveling, but that does mean being on my own a lot. And especially when, you know, most of my friends settle down and have kids and I've not gone down that route, then there's times where I want to reach out and maybe speak to someone, but then I'm like, oh, it's bath time or, oh, they're coming home from work because they've got the more traditional night. If I've, I don't want to bother them. And I, I kind of, I come up with all the reasons why I'm I'm not important enough in, to be put into their schedule kind of thing. And I'm just sharing that in case that resonates with, with you and with anybody else listening too. Because I think everybody does struggle, don't they? Even the ones that do have a great friendship group. No, so that's the thing too. So two two things there. One, it's just as much a book for people who are like, I don't even know where to start as it is for people who are like, I have some really good people in my life. There are some things that I don't know how to navigate within these relationships. Like it's absolutely that. There is, it's interesting you mentioned that. There is specifically a chapter in this book about how to navigate friends getting married when you're not married yet, friends having kids when you don't have kids yet or vice versa. Because I've talked to so many of my friends with kids and they're like, all my friends disappeared because they think I'm too busy to have a friend. And I told them, you know, I've told them like, to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't want to bother you because of what literally what you just said, where I was like, what if you're like giving your kid a bath and you're like, why is my childless friend texting me, asking me to go to a bar? I don't want to sound insensitive. When I think a lot of parents actually wish their friends still were inviting them to things, even if they couldn't go. And so it creates this like complete standoff between the two of us that's actually not working. The book is is just as much about all those little things where we have something in our head that says, I bet they're thinking this, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And the other person sitting there thinking, well, I bet they're thinking this, so I'm going to act this way. That's not communicating. <laughs> that is so the opposite. And that's going to keep you less close than you probably would be if you could communicate those things. Mm, Such a good point. Okay, final question. I ask every guest at the end of the episode to set us some homework based on the theme of the podcast episode. So in this case, Lane, what is a simple actionable step that we can take when it comes to finding meaningful friendships um, in adult life that will help us on our mission to building a happier life? I would say... Think of someone in your life right now who you have always wanted to be friends with. Take the first step. Text them whatever feels most comfortable to be like, hey, would you ever want to get coffee sometime? Like, uh, I've I've like always wanted to hang out with you and I don't know why I never asked for now. Like, it's okay to do it in a way that's kind of like, I don't know why I was so nervous about this. Like, I think sometimes that is actually a very endearing way to do it. And just say kind of like, I've always kind of wanted to hang out. I don't know if you want to. Would you want to go get a coffee sometime or like go to this thing sometime? See if it's there. Like maybe they'll say no, but maybe they'll say yes. Because I think almost all of us have somebody who we're like, I've always kind of wanted to say that to them. Mm. It's so likely they're thinking that too. And we don't want to be the first one to make the first move. So I would challenge anyone listening to be the first person to make that move. And look, if you can't think of anyone offhand, look for opportunities in your life. Maybe you bond with somebody at your exercise class or somebody in a class at school or the next time you run into somebody and you're like chit-chatting, you know, in line at coffee or whatever, and you really bond. Challenge yourself to, when you see an opening like that, to be the first one to do it. I think that's just such a good start. Even if it doesn't work out, you're practicing being more open and initiating it so that somebody initiates it. And I think the more we do this and normalize it, we won't be so scared of doing it. And then everybody will do it. I really think so. Oh, that's great advice. Awesome. 
Thank you so much for today. I really, really appreciate it. So for more on you, Instagram, it's hello, Lane Moore. Website is lanemore.org. You've got a podcast. Interestingly, it's available exclusively to Patreon. I thought it was just me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great title. Thank you. You will find your people. How to make meaningful friendships as an adult is out now from wherever you can buy yay. your books from. I'm so excited. yay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure this one's going to do just as well as the other one. I'm sure you're going to get loads of people reaching out and being like, thank you. You're writing to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad. I love it. Cause that is really who I'm, I'm writing for. If I can make even one person feel like, Oh, somebody out there gets me. Like mm. that's, that means so much to me. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to think that Lane wouldn't have a load of close friends because she's just so lovely, isn't she? And super, super talented. Thanks again to Lane Moore for taking the time to chat with me about her new book. You will find your people, how to make meaningful friendships as an adult and to explore the subject of loneliness and friendships in a very open and vulnerable way. And thank you to you, my friend, for listening to this episode of the Happier Life Project with me, Gabby Sanderson. And of course, I can't sign off until I share the important housekeeping. If you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. Those of you who are listening on one of the podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the interviewer, that's me, and the interviewees, and the content of the podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional or medical advice. The primary healthcare are not involved in the production or content of this podcast. Thank you for the recent lovely reviews. You know who you are and we really appreciate it. If you have the time, do leave us a review if you found this episode helpful because it really helps us to continue to make this content for you. And to find and follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. Do take care of yourself and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.